Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Hello. <laughs> I mean, he- hello. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a new week of music here at the RGM Experience Podcast. How are we doing? You all right? Nice one. Nice one. That's what I like to hear. A bit of cheer in your voice there, ladies and gentlemen. Nice. Yeah, I've had a great weekend. I'm fresh from being over at the lead mill. Um, yeah, Sinclair have been managing and helping out. They supported Vivas at a sold out lead mill gig. Not been in the old venue for a while and the old girl... Um, yeah, I was just speaking to a few people. You know, there's a lot of press stuff going about at the Leadmill at the minute. And uh, I was talking to them about the petition that they got going. And after six months, these government petitions, they only have a certain you know, amount of time left on them. And, they, uh, and you can't sign the petition anymore because, you know, it's been six months. So all, what they're asking for support is, you know, keep mentioning the you know, support that the Leadmill need. Keep it in everybody's thoughts because we can't lose that venue. It's a beautiful place and a beautiful team of people that have built something really special there. Uh, so I just wanted to keep keep the message out there that Ladmull needs any kind of support. If you see anything online, share it. Spread the word. Uh, it's very much appreciated from the team. Uh, so I just thought I'd open up with that a little bit. You know, keep the focus. Can't lose that thing. Yeah, it was good. Uh, just, just while the band was sound checking stuff, I had a nosy upstairs and stuff in the little back room bits. Uh, had a little walk onto the main stage bit as well, just to reminisce of the old days when we played there, supporting the Inspiral Carpets. Just so much history in that building, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I just had a lovely time back in Sheffield as well. I, I, when I were walking down the road, uh, I, I walked past um, the drummer of Pulp. Just welcome back to Sheffield. You're just, you know, walking amongst you. Nick Banks just going about his business, walking past. Yeah, it's um, I miss home a little bit. You do though, don't you? You know, it's uh, it makes me appreciate Sheffield not living in it. I like that. Yeah, it's been a it's been a good week, uh, a, a busy week on RGM as well. We've had a album review, the Louis Tomlinson album review. It didn't get a great review. The reviewer was a little bit critical about it. You know, it's just hard work getting through it all is the main thing that they mentioned on it. But if you disagree with it, if you agree with it, let us know about it. You know, it's what it's all about: opinions. Um, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you'll be listening early on Patreon. Hi guys. Uh, if you're listening here on a Monday, uh, hi guys. If you're a new listener, if you enjoyed the episode last week with the ratings, uh, there's loads of stuff to delve back into in the archives and stuff. You know, there's over 60 just in the series four in this series of guests to delve into. So uh, if you're enjoying it, nice one. And we've got an amazing guest for you today, Legend Man. From the Happy Mondays, no less. Gaz Whelan is the drummer, Happy Mondays drummer. It's really cool to chat with these people and learn about all the personalities and what goes on behind the scenes with bands. And, you know, there's a lot of um, talent in the Happy Mondays, particularly the rhythm section of the band. You know, it's, you know, it's, they're, they're an amazing musicians. Um, and we had a chat about, the, you know, the loss of Paul, Paul Ryder recently in the band. We, you know, we talked through that. Um, but, you know, a... a, a, a with the Happy Mondays, the press usually talk about, you know, Bez and Sean. Uh, and we've had Sean on the podcast previously as well, so delve into the archives and check that one out. I'll get Bez one day. Um, 
Yeah, just a solid, solid talented musician. Uh, you know, stories of Happy Mondays. He's doing solo stuff as well, which is interesting. Uh, he was in Bermuda when we interviewed him in Zoom. And we had a few technical issues because Bermuda was having a, a, a storm at the time. So we, we had a few to and fro's on emails, just trying to pick good times when he'll have good Wi-Fi to, to do it, because the weather was, you know, a bit grim out there in paradise. Um, apparently you find it hard to feel sorry for somebody in paradise, don't you? Uh, but we got there in the end, we got some good Wi-Fi, and we had a great good chat. So Gaz Whelan's coming up, ladies and gentlemen, soon. Uh, as always, you can watch the video version of this podcast on the YouTube channel too. So if you like to see our little faces, pop over there. Um, and yeah, Patreon members, I've got my head around it now a little bit. There's going to be a lot more bonus content coming up on there too for you too, so watch out. If you're considering being a Patreon, it's £3 uh, for a month, so it's less than a coffee for a month's worth of entertainment. You get bonus unedited content, early access to the shows, exclusive episodes, um, and you can get into a chat room and talk to us all. <laughs> I don't know if that's a selling point or not. In chat room. The old school, isn't it? Well, I'm ready for a good chat, ladies and gentlemen. Are you? Thanks for joining us again for another week. Do share all your thoughts and feelings about uh, the show at RGM Pod on Twitter. Watch us on YouTube if you want to. It's all on there. And thanks for allowing us into your ears again this week for another week of live music, entertainment, and fun. Yeah, so, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, it's Gaz Whelan from the Happy Mondays. Well, I can't have you, mate. Well, not just the drummer for Happy Mondays. You've obviously got your solo tour and you've got a new single out and all that kind of stuff yourself, which we'll come to. Um, but yeah, just th- thanks for joining us today on the podcast. How are you doing? Oh, thanks for having me on, yeah. Th- those drummers, eh? Who do they think they are? Stick to playing <laughs> Well, <laughs> people might think that, but where do we find you today, mate? You know what? I, I'm, I'm going to sound like a right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in the Bahamas, and it sounds it sounds yeah. like it sounds like really glamorous, and it? but it, it's actually not. And I, I live in Canada, so it's not that expensive to come down here. So yeah. it might sound like I'm being, you know, <laughs> but, but it's actually not. And it's been it's been raining out, and it's ridiculously it. expensive, expensive, outrageous. I mean, really? I mean, oh man, and it's that it's. it's yeah, uh, yeah. So it's not. It sounds really glamorous, but it's, it's I've actually. Just, I've just been to Isla Mangas, and that were outrageously expensive in some places too. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it really, really were. And to, even to get there, were expensive. And uh, yeah, the everywhere is expensive. Yes, that's true. Yeah, if it's more than a pound, then it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, how much? Yeah. <laughs> how much? Yeah, that's my middle name. How much? <laughs> I I have got a friend called Martin Fox that his nickname is How Much, and he and he, he keeps a twenty pound note in his sock. Um, just in case there's an emergency, even though people don't use cash anymore. That's what George Harrison used to do. Do you know that? Did he really? Go on. Yeah, no, George Harrison used to keep a 20... He had a pair of shoes that he had a £20 note in, in the heel. (laughs) uh, And then once the Beatles were in some cafe, they didn't have carried money, obviously, because it was the Beatles. And they were in some cafe somewhere. I think it was when he was doing Magical Mystery. It wasn't when he was doing Magical Mystery Tour. And they got a food, and the the guy then went, well, where's the bill? I want the, you know, they're like... Well, it's the Beatles and the filming in your cafe. He went, I want the bill. And they all let him out. And Harrison pulled his way out. I've had this for five years in my shoe and paid the bill. <laughs> oh, that's a good story. That's good. Yeah, it's true. No, it's true. Apparently, it's true. He's, that was in his, his wife's book. So. Oh, okay. So, big Beatles fan then. You'll see my jigsaw yeah. of Abbey Road in the, in the back there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. Another yeah. one over there. That's uh, another jigsaw thing when they were bored in lockdown. Uh, that's, that's like my, my room's full of Beatles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was, when I, I mean, I, I remember. I hadn't got, about 1979, I'm older, I don't know, 12 or something like that. And I was, it was a Christmas day and we had our, always had our Christmas dinner at three o'clock one day. And uh, me and my brother-in-law moved in with us and we was with my older sister. And we was delayed and we said, oh, an hour late. So I put the TV on, BBC Two, and it was Beatles Day. I didn't know. And I thought, oh, I don't oh. like Beatles. a 12-year-old rebelling. And our days now, it was on and I was hooked. And, it, and I checked it recently and went, I'm sure it's 1979 Christmas Day, BBC Two. And I looked it up on Google and it was. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I was hooked. Just hooked. I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? That that the Beatles just grab every every new group of people, that every new generation. You know, that nobody can hide from the Beatles. You can't. It's just really weird, you know. And, I, and it's just really weird. There's something about them, isn't there? There's something really hypnotic about. I don't know what it is. 
It's one of them real. It's just a perfect storm, and it? it's one of them real freaks of nature, and <laughs> it'll never happen again. Never has done. Never will. Well, you say that Pillsbury's and Belly Aches is over thirty years old. I know, you, and you've had music out before that. There's new generation still finding the Happy Mondays a little bit. Do you think? Do you think? No, <laughs> turning your nose up. Thirty-two years, Christ! I'm like, where did it go? It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's just bizarre. That's Christ! That's what I met my wife that year, and it's like, yeah, okay. Well, I've, I've had I've had Sean on the on the podcast before, uh, and you know, Sean is probably like the perfect guest to have on a uh, to interview, just because he's, you know, he. he, he what you see is what you get with Sean and it is just like, he'll just, he'll just say whatever he wants, whatever's on his mind at the time. And we started getting on about aliens and that stuff's like quite quick into the conversation and everything. And just like, how, and, and how creative he is as well with words and all that kind of stuff, you know, being a drummer and, and having that, you know, person that you've worked with for many, many years, does it help you with lyrics and that kind of stuff? Or are you completely separate to um, any kind oh, of, but- like no, he's got he 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 messes with he messes with words. He's got he's kind of one of them uh, who who uh, kind of just a natural thing he's got where he just plays with words. So no, my lyrics are completely different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but no, always lyrics are when I when I, whatever music I listen to, lyrics are things that grab me in. So when, so growing up with a band, uh, his brother Paul, who's a bass player, who formed the band, started the band. Him and Sean and I found a lot of like. Paul was two, three, two years older than me. Sean's five years older than me. They were a massive influence. I was 15 when I joined. So I think Paul was a musical kind of influence. And then Sean, because we used to write songs. As, we always wrote songs where we 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 play the music jam and Sean would sit on the floor, cross-legged with a microphone, scribbling in it. And he's usually... And so that influence of lyrics was always really good. And it just happens in fits of laughter because there's usually things that were in jokes or in the band or stuff that was going on. So we had a good... I had a... It appears they were really good teachers. They were, they, 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 as a youngster, they were two good teachers of music and, and lyrics. So that influenced me massively, yeah. But lyrically, yeah, we're very, very different. Yeah. yeah well, uh, sorry for the loss of Paul as well recently in the band. Yeah. Um, that must have been, you know, a, a big... I know you've announced new gigs with the Appy Mondays and that kind of stuff. Uh, it must be a, a, a massive change to the dynamics of the band, just not having Paul around anymore. It's just weird. He's my best mate, and he—he he was his band. He formed the band. He started the band, you know. And he was the driving force behind the band for years. He was always in early on, you know. He was his band. So yeah, it's just—it's just—it's it's really, really strange. Done a few gigs since without him, and it's just—it's just different. It's just very different. And yeah, that—that that just funny. A couple of nights ago, we talked about him. And my wife just said, "I just can't believe. Still can't believe he's—he's he's not here. Mm. He's not around." And looking on my messages on my phone, I was going through, and there's a message I'd sent. And the last mess. Funny enough, last night I was going through messages because so my top phone messages on my computer, and I looked and I was scrolling through, and there was and my last message to him was, "Are you okay, mate? How are you feeling?" And it just it just kind of free. It's just really weird. And then last night was watching a bit of TV, and Kirby and Fusion Kirby and Fusion came on, Larry David, and he used to post say, "That's you, that." And he used to call me Gary David. That's you, that's you. And I'm sorry, and it kind of you know it's funny, but it upset me. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's weird, very strange. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. So you, you have played a few gigs recently with him, then? We're, we're, yeah, we've done a few since, yeah. I think we've done three or four since, yeah. And how was that, like, transition as a... Very strange, very, strange. very, very yeah. strange. strange I, even, yeah. I can imagine, because it's Sean's brother as well. I know your best mate, too. It, it must have been strange for everybody, the whole... Like, even you know like, what, walking what, up to stage and not having him there. What was weird is, the actual gigs, you get caught up in the gig and you're doing the gig and you're kind of focusing on what you're doing. It was on the journey home after the gigs, Mark Dace just said to me, Mark Day, the guitarist, just said, it seems weird, because we used to stop after stop every 45 minutes so Paul could have a cigarette. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> and Mark said, we're getting home too early. It just seems weird not stopping that. I mean, kind of, we both got a bit upset. It kind of, ups, it kind of hit us home when the adrenaline had dropped and we was on our way home. That's when it kind of kicked in more, yeah. Oh, man. No, well, uh, I just wanted to officially say sorry for your loss. Commiserations to everybody. So I've been having a nosy and uh, just having a nosy socials a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, I noticed you, you, you'd had a good write-up, nice booze-up with Manny in, in Barbados recently. <laughs> he's here, yeah. He's here. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, Is he he's there now? I've not seen him tonight. He's, he's staying to sort of car. We have oh, been out for yeah. nights with him. We're still recovering. We had a quiet night last night. Was that with him Friday? Last Sunday, <laughs> Friday. No, we spoke to, I think we're going out with him tonight as well. Okay, right. But yeah, he's here with family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all old friends. Is he slowing down? 
Not really, no. And he's he's a few years older than me as well. I think he's about three or four years older than me, but no, he never changes. I've not seen him for a few years, to be honest with you. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I mean, so it's me him and Colts, who, who I'm, who I am I rent a house with. He works for Snow Patrol, so he's like from Birmingham. Oh, yeah. We're all old, we're all old mates. Him and Colts, and uh, and Manny are really good friends. Yeah, well, I've uh, I've had a few boozy nights recently, just been out and about, and it, it's it's not good, is it? The recovery period <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I, yeah, and I've never been one that usually suffers some angles. I'm not. Uh, I, I enjoy drinking. I've always been a kind of a weekend drinker or a kind of yeah. drinker, but I don't go mad. I'm not into spirits and all that. I'm a right. I like Guinness. I like red wine and I like Guinness. So kind of thing with Guinness. I'm actually I've not had Guinness because it's no probably not. I'm not even seen on the island here. Uh, so I, I'm all right if you stick to Guinness. It's like it's like liquid ganja, isn't it? So it's, it's okay. Don't get angled. <laughs> I, I had some red. I had some red lot wine last night and yeah. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get old, when you get in your 50s, it catches up with you, yeah. I'm 44, mate, and it, the fucking horrendous things. It is you when you get in your 40s. Well, if, you, if you go yeah. a bit too far with it, which is, I, I've always found it's, it's a nightmare to know my limits still, even at my age now, I still don't know my limits. I need, I need, I need Kirsty to me, missus, just to tell me when my limits are, and I won't agree with her, ever. No. Yeah. We, don't, I, we don't learn, do we? It's, it's, a, it's a thing we spoke about growing up, isn't it? <laughs> We don't. I mean, but I got back to go back to Manchester next week, and then I've got these solo gigs. And I'm just going to go on the wagon. I'm just not going to because it's, I don't so much get angles. Just get tired the day after. Just like can't be asked yeah. doing anything. Just can't be bothered, and that's no good. You know what I mean? I've got to get my ass in gear. So I'll go on the wagon next week. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, enjoy your last few days of Barbados. Barbados, man. Have, have a good in there. So uh, I know, um, like, like, so like when you, uh, how did you like? How did your journey into just going back and rewinding a little bit? How did your journey? Uh, into music happen, you know, as, as a as a younger lad. Uh, well, talk us that. I started about eight years of age. I had an older sister who was three years older than me. When I was eight, she was eleven. I was I really wanted to be in, in a band when I was eight. Football was my first love, but music I wanted to be in a band, and I wanted to learn guitar. So me and my sister used to go for classical guitar lessons yeah. once a week. Then the days where you didn't have guitar teachers, you'd learn classical guitar or you'd learn it at school. There was no. There's no going learning rock guitar. But of course, I wanted to play, you know, I wanted to be like, uh, you know, whatever, T-Rex, a bit before my time. I was only eight, but, you know, I was, I was on top of the pop slate or whatever, whoever it was at the time. But, you know, I don't know. But uh, I wanted to be, and I didn't, and I was, wasn't very studious. My sister was really good. We did that for three years. And I was at 11, I had a really bad accident, and nearly lost my arm. And uh, I lost all the feeling in my arm for seven years. And my arm... Struggled to grow, really bad traumatic accident, and I never kind of recovered. And then when I was 15, 16, and then punk happened when I was in hospital. And my mum bought, mum and dad bought me, never mind the bollocks and cess pixels when I came out of hospital. I was in Salford Royal for a while, came out, and they bought me that. I think the pistols even split up by then. I was still, I was still 11. And then uh, this, the scarfing happened. I went to see the specials, and that just when I was like 13, 14. Uh, and then Paul right, and then 15. There was a girl at school who had an older sister who was getting married to Sean, and I got and Mark Day's younger brother was in my ear and just got caught into it, just got dragged into it, and then uh, and that was it. And I just and, and then I discovered the Beatles, and then and, but music was was an obsession from from the Sex Pistols when I was eleven, really. It's it's weird with the music, and it it grabs you. You don't really choose it sometimes. Mm. It feels yeah. like that with you too. Completely, and and, and my, my parents were huge music fans, and me. me my dad worked away a lot. He was an electrician. My mum worked nights in a psychiatric hospital. And then my nan, my mum's mum, brought us up a lot. And she'd been a singer in the clubs around Manchester. And she was always had music on. And my dad always had gospel and rock and roll on. So it was always around, you know, we, constantly. It was always the house. It was always full of music. Always. And we always had, it's funny because we had a piano in the house. My sister went on to play piano. Uh, Mark Day had a piano in the house. Uh, the Riders had a piano in the house. So it's, it's common now. You're growing up, you people seem to have pianos in the house or something, yeah. So they kind of like took you under the wing and started the journey in this band. Were you always called the Happy Mondays or did you have any like shitty names before or like that? I always like to dig. In the first form, we were called uh, Avant Garde. <laughs> nice. Because it was all the best one. And, and to this day, we still argue. We don't, we, this is pure Mondays, this. We don't know whether we're called Happy Mondays or the Happy Mondays. We still argue about it. We've never, we've, never, we've never settled on either, so we don't know what we are. What's it say on the album covers? Have you checked them? I can't. I, I haven't a clue. It's probably different each one. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. It was, it was actually it was Paul Ryder who came up with the name. He was in a pub. 
82, and there was a, a song by Echo and the Bunnymen called The Cutter. And there's a there's a breakdown in the middle eighty where it drops and goes and by the happy loss, and we thought it said happy laws. So Paul I said let's call ourselves the happy laws, and we had that for five days. And Paul I went no, I changed laws to Mondays, and that was it. There's yeah. been lots of myths about whether well, that's where the name came from. I remember it. Did you ever play any gigs? Quite lucid. Uh, Avant Garde. Pardon? Did you, have you ever played any gigs under Avant Garde? Did one when I'd for, in 1982. So it was like <laughs> 80. 82, I think I'd just, just left school in the local community centre. It was quite weird because the worst rehearsal room we were rehearsed in was in a primary school. And it, the room we rehearsed in was a room I'd learned to read and write in. I learned to play drums and be in a band in that room. And then the first gig was at the community centre, which had been the community centre where I'd gone as a kid as a, in nursery. So it was really, really, really strange. You know, so, yeah, so there was kind of a... So there's them links for my childhood in the band all, all from the start. <laughs> so one gig is avant-garde and then the names yeah. changed to the Happy Mondays. So how quick did it like, how how long were you like just playing the local circuits and stuff without, before things started to like pick up and that? How long? I think we did our first gig in 82 and then kind of about eight, probably about five or six years. We did a lot of, yeah. a lot of touring bits, doing lots of little gigs. And I can't remember when Factory got interested Phil Sachs became our manager, and then he was friends with Mike Pickering at Factory. I think that's probably about 86, 87, probably about four or five years. Yeah, about 86, I think, four years before Factory. And then we started doing tours with the you know, tour with the Colourfield, Terry Hill, New Order, James, uh, the Weather Prophets, did some quite a few tours. We did lots, lots of, of you know, playing over the toilets, as they call them. So did it still all start to pick up after, you know, signing to Factory then and having this relationship with Tony Wilson? Yeah, because, I mean, Mike Pickering should get a lot more credit because he was a guy who signed us at Factory, he was A&R man. And yeah, I think we got put on, in them days, kind of indie bands, if you want to use that phrase, in, they all wore winkle pickers and all had black coats on, were all very, you know, all very kind of uh, monochrome, it was all that kind of thing. And obviously we didn't look like that. And uh, I remember the farmer around as well, they didn't look like that. And But because we was on Factory, we'd get put on gigs and people just, Curious because who's this new factory band? And most people at Factory didn't like us. Mike Pick championed us, a girl called Tracy Donnelly did, and then uh, who worked at Factory. And then Tony Wilson didn't even take us serious at first. And then when he, then he did, he, he just gave us everything, you know what I mean? So, so out of curiosity, just because we signed to Factory, uh, yeah, we got people coming look, look at us. I mean, we had, we'd had, uh, we'd sent cassettes off, which he did in them days, or Parada did. And London Records came to see us in our rehearsal room, and someone put a brick through the window and put them off halfway through but they said to us we're interested we think you've got potential as a band but you need to get an image like and they actually said you've got no image what what you're dressing like what would you what you dress like on stage and we went well just like this baggy went, clothes. yeah they went well it wasn't baggy then it's kind of they went you look like football hooligans or mormons or something it's really weird they had this weird perception of us and we're like what do you want to dress like and they said well don't you can't you get an image like culture club and we just saw web <laughs> i can't imagine that imagine and, and i remember and i remember derek who's uh John and Paul's dad, who was looking managers at the time, said they've got back in touch and they said they will sign us if we change our image. And unanimously, we all just went, "No, yeah. we're not doing it. No, no." And I'm glad we didn't. Which I and ironically, the the, the A&R guy who came to see us signed us on pipe, signed us. He moved to publishing, signed us on a publishing deal a few years later. <laughs> it's right. a funny old world of music industry. I, uh, I can remember, like, uh, I was speaking to Dermo recently from Northside. Yeah. And he was just saying, you know, he, he, he didn't really deal with Tony Wilson a lot, but it was, the team around him really supported him and helped him get in and get onto tour slots, which it sounds like a similar kind of yeah, 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 yeah. thing that happened with you guys too. Yeah, yeah. And our friend Macca managed them for a while, yeah. No, we had a good, we had a close ratio. I got on, me and Paul Ryder especially got on with Tony Wilson really well uh, and became friends really, really close to him. Uh, so yeah, so we we did it. We did have all, actually in the early days. We probably didn't have much contact with him. He was always out and about, Tony. But I think later on we did. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it was funny because at Factory, there was we used to go in the place that Ashton downstairs called the Gay Trader Bar. A lot of the bands and people in the in music actually used to go down there. It's kind of away from the club upstairs, like a little bar. And so a lot of Factory used to hang around there. A lot of people at Factory Records and. Who were, were Man City fans and me and Wilson and other Man United fans. So we, we used to always, me and, me and Tony would argue with Rob Gretton and a few others who were blues and all that. So we kind of got friends because of that as well. Yeah. I used to see him at United because Tony Wilson had a season ticket at United. So, okay. 
Fair enough, fair enough. So, you know, the, the band started to pick up. You're doing, you're, you're out on the road a lot. You're doing your tours and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. How, how was the relationships? Uh, how, how did life on the road affect the band? Because I know it can go, it can go, it can go either way. When once, once you're on the road and you're in everybody's pockets forever, and, and there's no escape sometimes for people. How how in life for you? And the band but early on until the kind of success really everything we were proper we were just like a group of mates it was really yeah. close we had our we, we we had our own kind of in in talk language it you know we had we all got we all had a similar sense of humor all really 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 close uh really close you know and, and very similar sense of, it was funny because when it when i joined the band at 15 and it was paul and sean it was the first time i kind of felt really kind of um at home, it's kind of actually, I, I kind of fit in it as a lot. I've always, I always had lots of friends, but I always at the same time felt a bit of an outsider. And when I met them, I think they were the kind of the same. They had lots of friends and fitting, but they always felt a little bit like outsiders. And back in them days, the early 80s, being in a band, people would question you, are you in a band? You know, it was all like that was the students and people in South Manchester, you know, not in Salford, you know, there weren't that many. And it was kind of questionable. So, I, so we all got on really, really well. And it's kind of like when you, it's really after the, the pressures of when you had a bit of success and you and you're constantly touring, and then you know and 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 you kind of you, you all have your own girlfriends and wives. You kind of get your own friends and you all kind of go your own different directions. We all on our own different drugs, and yeah. you kind of start just growing apart a little bit. And then you come together and you grow apart. It's it's like it's like a marriage, you know. And I know people. I know it's a cliche, but it really is. You know, it really is. And it becomes, you know, an insight. You start, you know, irritating each other a little bit, and then it's good when you when we reform. You're older, you kind of become more accepting of the little, you know, you don't the little things that irritate you. You just go, you know, well, that's just we're just different people, you know, or we're very similar but different, you know, uniquely the same, you know. So you just kind of accept it, and that's why I think when bands reform, they tend to get on better. Yeah, you kind of just grow up. Yeah, but it's fast because there's different things that come into a, a band relationship, isn't there? You know, we, we cover the yeah. journey of a band. Many we've, we've done it with many different bands on our GM over the years. And, you know, different. Yeah, you have different relationships yourself with people and family and you have yeah. children and that kind of stuff. And the dynamics of the band are always changing, particularly when you, mm. you get a bit older, I suppose. It's like any workplace, you know, no matter workplace, people, yeah. you're falling out of people, people annoy you, then you make up and everything's great. And, you know, for the most part, we've 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 been all right, you know. No band, no band, no. I don't think any bands are straightforward. It's it's uh, no. like any group of work people. You know, having this because when I was speaking to Sean, the the tunes, the Happy Monday tunes, are so complex and dynamic and fresh and new. Right at the start, how did how did how was that as a drummer in the band? Um, connecting with that kind of sound, I don't really know what I'm trying to say. It, it, yeah, no, no, it, sounds, like, I, it sounds like it was hard work. I didn't really see myself as as a drummer. We were kind of like me, Paul, and Mark were like, and PD, the keyboard player, were like about. It was all about writing music again. Mm. Uh, and so drums was kind of what I'd fallen into by accident because of my accident, my arm, I couldn't play guitar, so I just picked drums up. So I quite enjoyed playing drums, but it was never my passion, you know, songwriting and yeah. and the music was. And it was it was it was interesting because me and uh Paul were really into uh soul music. He was really into folk, he was in real soul music and dance music and northern soul had been a big a big thing before my time. But as a little kid I used to see all the northern solos going up to Wigan and Blackpool and stuff and and so soul music was always around. So we, even though we were kind of seen as an indie band, if you like, and Mark was really into like rock guitar and big guitar, we were the bass and drums. We were always wanted to sound like the JBs, James Brown, or, or or kind of soul bands or funk bands mixed with say the Bunnymen or something. So we all it was always about groove of us and funk always, even though and we didn't do it, but not playing. We didn't. We didn't we, it was kind of like a punk funk thing, so we wanted to do. We never wanted to be, if we ever got too tight, we'd go, oh, you know, we don't want to sound like level 42, level 42, you know what I mean? So it was always very loose and very kind of, you know, if the Rolling Stones were a funk band, that's kind of, or the Doors were a funk band, that's what we were kind of aim, aiming for. Subconsciously, it was nothing was ever planned, everything was always really organic. There was nothing cynical or cerebral about it. It was always like, we just, it just, it, that was just how it was. We never discussed what direction it was going in. Being poor into disco, soul, funk. And that's what we did, you know. Well, I, I personally went to see the Upper Mondays. I must have been 10 years 
10 times over the years. Probably the first one, I think it was the Octagon in Sheffield, the early 90s. The last one was probably Tramlines Festival a couple of years ago, or just after COVID when we saw you on the big stage and stuff like that. And the the, the difference now compared to some of the performances over the years, because sometimes it was a little bit hit and miss what, kind, what you were going to get from the band, weren't it? How, how did you find that kind of... Yeah, I was at a miss. It was funny. We started, we used to say it was like, you know, probably 60, 70% of the time we were good and 30% wasn't. Now we're pretty, 90%, we usually pretty good. Now. And I think probably just because you get older, you just can't, you know, you don't party as much. You don't, uh, you know, sometimes I turn up, you know, drunk for the night before or drunk, and you don't take it seriously, you know, just a, just a kid. And now you're older, you, you, you just take it a little bit more serious and, and it's hard because it's a fine line. You don't want to become too professional and lose kind of what yeah. you know, what you're about. But you still, but you still want to be able to, you know, you know, it's, it's, it costs a lot of money to go to a gig and people. And it's funny, because right? You don't really appreciate how important the gig is to people, to the crowd. You just think they just turn up, you know. Until I like when I, when I, when a band's in town, I'm really looking for like Echo and the Bunny were in town in, when I, I lived in Toronto a while back. And all week I was really excited. And you don't really appreciate, you don't think about it when you're in the eye of the storm. So yeah, yeah you just kind of yeah, don't, don't take it more seriously, just more, more professional, for want of a better word. Yeah. But like I say, it's a fine line. You don't want to be too professional, you know. And just, <laughs> yeah. like, you know. So you, you always got, and, and we never will be anyway, because once we're, you know, once we get on stage, it's kind of always, there's always anything could happen, but, you know, pretty much together. It was it, it was always an event and happy Monday's gig. It it, it, yeah. it very fond in my childhood because the crowd were worse for wear as well. <laughs> it wasn't just the band that was sometimes a bit hammered. <laughs> you know, the, the the crowd was always fun too. A, a lot of that was in them days, wasn't it? I think I think times have changed now. It's it's kind of you, you can't be as it's just difficult di- different days now. But yeah, well we're we're essentially a punk band, you know. Yeah, no, it, it's great. I've just fond memories of, you know, looking back. How, how do you look back on, uh, on, on the band now? You, you know, you're doing your solo stuff. How, how do you, how do you look band on back on the years? I know you still, you know, I know there's still plenty to come from the Happy Mondays. But if you, if 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 it had ended now and you were looking back on it, how would you summarize it? Uh, I don't, you know, we're, we're just live on. It's a good question. I don't know. Uh... You know, that's a really good question. I don't know. It's kind of difficult when you... Uh, I always thought we could have achieved more. Mm. Uh, but then when I think about it, we, we achieved a lot more than what we expected to. We expected just to put a record out and do a few gigs. And, you know, if I'm honest, you know, we started in 82, still doing gigs now. And I mean, I, it, it, it's pretty pretty amazing think about it. Considering, like, in the 80s, there were a lot of bands who were a lot more commercially successful than us and, and are not earning a living now from it. So... So yeah, really. I'm you know, trying to sound, uh, and I, I, I really lucky. I think just lucky, yeah. you know, lucky, and it is. There's luck in everything we've we've all you know. But also, you, you got to be. You gotta, you, I think that I think the trick is to be different, and we didn't try to be different. We just were, we were just lucky. It's just I, to make up, you know, just to make up with the band. It just. I speak to many musicians, and and to have a career in music and have enough money to come in and pay the rent is like the holy grail in it really and not and not have a proper job and just you know be creative and have that um passion in your life that you love um and and it pays the way it must be great yeah i mean sometimes <laughs> sometimes stupid i remember saying to my brother sometimes i crave a proper job just pro- because yeah. of because of because of routine when you've got no routine yeah. in life i not i'm not i'm not complaining for a second, but when you know, over the years, like I heard people like say, "So it's because you've had no routine in your life. That's why you have about the, this and that, or whatever." And and there's, there's some truth in that. You know, routine's good for humans. You know, yeah. and not having it in a band, uh, I sound like a complainer. I'm not. And yeah. then my brother said, "Yeah, you try a routine in your life for four to five weeks and see if you still like it." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah that's true." You know, you know. But yeah, yeah, really, really lucky. Really, really lucky. But you know, it's like it's that thing of. When you're in a gig and there's thousands of people enjoying it, you see that one person walk out, you're like, why is he walking out? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're really lucky. But yeah. I, it just, I think someone asked me, I, I did a panel a while back at a, a music. I, I manage a band and they re- literally committed for the last two years. They rehearse six days a week 
uh, sorry, six nights a week they rehearse. So they have Sunday off, but they rehearse six nights a week or five nights a week and gig every night. And he said, they're really committed. Why aren't they making it? Why aren't they getting anywhere? And I said, why are they rehearsing at night time? So they've all got jobs. I went, well, you go then. Mm. So you can't have a job and do it. And he went, well, it's easy. And I said, you can't. You've got, you can't. You've, you've got to live and breathe it 24 hours a day. And we did. We had we, we used to rehearse every day. We used to go in the rehearsal room and we'd spend, we used to get there at 12, we'd stay till late at night, seven hours, probably only rehearse for an hour, but we're together in the rehearsal room doing And you've got to, you've just got to commit everything to it. You've just got to, you've got to live, sleep and breathe it 24 hours a day. You really have. You've got to really commit to it. Uh, and it's very different now. You know, times are just very different, but that's what you've got to do. And I still do, you know, mute. I'm constantly reading books on music, watching documentaries on music, listening to music. You've just got to be obsessed by it. Yeah, well, I've, got, I've got a travel guitar on with me. I couldn't come away for a week without bringing a guitar on me. I've got yeah. you know. What kind of bands are you listening to at the minute? Are they uh, new bands or is it older music? What 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 what, what are you listening to at the minute, mate? You know what? I, very rarely I listen to new bands. Someone sends me some. I, I, get, I get sent a lot of stuff, and there is some that are really good. Most. Most of it just sound like Oasis or, you know, I get things like say, get on this, a front man's got loads of attitude. And I kind of go, along, it's kind of been done that, you know. Yeah. Uh, I listen to, I kind of listen to a lot of old stuff. I've been listening to a lot of it. I listen to a lot of Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen's kind of my thing. Kind of like that kind of stuff. But I listen to, I've been listening to, uh, what have I listened to this week? A lot of old, a lot of gospel. Uh, I've been listening a lot of soundtracks. Been listening to a lot of Morricone here, uh, other soundtracks from Spaghetti Westerns, which I love. Uh, even watch some a broad range. Every always a broad range. Always a broad range of of, of uh, music. I was listening to last night's Land of Family Stone early on, and yeah, always a a really really broad range of music. Not, not I don't. I'm, it's funny because I, I rarely listen to indie music. Never really have done. Don't really. really. I, I run this magazine thing called RGM and I just don't have time to listen to music. It's the worst part about running a magazine. Really? You've got a team of people that write the reviews. A lot of people say, what do you think about it? I'm just like, honestly, mate, I do work full time myself and uh, I manage like 15 writers and trying to get content oh, out every day for the magazine and that kind of stuff. So we've got a team of people to listen to the music. If, if, if I can grab five minutes and I'm in the shower, I'll stick a song on. Um, but it, it's the worst thing about the job is not having time to listen to music because that's where the that's where the beauty is, isn't it? You know, I, I like learning things that are different. It's and, yeah. it, and I think it's difficult to be different these days. That's a that's a yeah. that's a thing. You know, I like when it when I go and see someone they're like, oh well, that's really different. You know, whether it's you know, I got kind of like the gig I keep missing that what's it is spiritualized. It's just probably, probably my favorite band. I, I, I just love spiritualized. In Ashcroft, I'd like to see what I'm, who I keep missing. So kind of, yeah, I'm, on, I'm an old fart now, you know what I mean? Like you kind of get to the point where there's, there's some young, you know, there's a lad who's, who's supporting us on some of his solo gigs called uh, Shea Coates, and he's got a band called Twins. He's like kind of really old school uh, acoustic. I kind of like, I kind of like <laughs> miserable music. I like, I like raw stuff, but kind of lyric, more lyric, lyrical content, more kind of cerebral sort of stuff, but yeah, no, soundtracks, I like big scores, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Nice, okay. Well, not, and sometimes someone said me in America, oh, they're, they're really different. <laughs> I can't think of a top of what I've been listening to, yeah, lately. I've just, I've, I've, the, in, in the last week, I've had the new Deja Vega album, they're from Manchester, and uh, yeah. their, their vinyl's just arrived after like a year of trying to get it <laughs> printed. Get it pressed through the vinyl, people. It got oh, delivered. Like, yeah. like, and all that kind of stuff. That just come through. That was nice. The new Arctic Monkeys album. I'm I'm really enjoying. I never weren't a fan of the early stuff, but the the new stuff is just beautiful. Yeah. Um, a band called Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. I'm listening to their album. They're good. Um, just loads of variety out there. There is a, there is a lot of, and I've been and I've been uh, told about like you know people think there's a bit of a Manchester curse where. You kind of hold it on to the older days and the the, the bands are yeah. like oasis copies or you know and that kind of there's a lot yeah. of that about in manchester at the minute and there is a bit of a swelling and feeling from the manchester music community like photographers and everybody that i've got a gigs with down uh down in the northern quarter where you know they're a bit bored of that and they want a new wave of stuff to come mm -hmm. out so they, they want manchester to do better there and not hold back to the on the past a little bit how do you feel about that I agree with you completely. That's what I'm saying about I get sent loads of stuff and yeah. 
and I listened to it and I go, that's really good, but it just, just sounds like Oasis. Or it's just, the amount of frontmen who sound like Liam, and I can understand it because, you know, Liam's a great frontman, you know. But, like, people... John Lydon's a great frontman, and people kind of were inspired, you know, Liam or whatever, you know, or, or Ian Brown were inspired by John Lydon, but they don't sound exactly like him. They do their own thing, you know what I mean? So I think I think there's just two... Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I, I think... I don't know whether it's me being miserable. I find... I don't know how you feel about this, and I could, I could be wrong, but I think that the old setup of bass, drums, keyboards, guitar, and singer, it's been done for 60, 70 years now, and it's hard to do anything that's different. So when you see someone doing something, I think the, the, the old the old setup of a band, you know, you, it's... You know the front man with with you know with the uh, the attitude, the bass player who's chill, the drummer who's wacky, you know the guitarist who's an introvert. It's like it's kind of old hat now, and like, and it's hard to do something different and get a new sound just with them instruments. And I find, you know that's why. So it's always interesting. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's hard to find something yeah. different in the clash of you know mixing mixing. Yeah. Someone said if you, I remember what I was saying about what one of the music conferences said. If you got a advice for bands <laughs> shouldn't be asking us but <laughs> said, well, we used to have cassettes on our tour bus and it would range from Johnny Cash to Public Image to Sly and the Family Stone to John, James Brown to uh, Soundtracks to uh, Nat King Cole to right across the board you know to film scores from you know right across you know you, you yeah. couldn't everything and I think you if you get a band, and it's always been my kind of thing, and I try to do it with soul stuff at the moment, and it's hard. Get a band that's a mixture, a band that sounds like your record collection. So when you go to a gig, you're not in a 10 songs, 12 songs that all sound the same, which is which is also can be good. Mm. But if you go and listen to someone's record collection, so it's different. Each there's a running theme, but you know, the, that one's a bit rocky, that one's a little bit you know, so it's like a more so it's like a, I'm sounds sounds a bit pretentious here. So it's been more of a journey and a, and a, and a, and a yeah. film, a, like a movie, a film, movie, film. You know, so there's something interesting. So it's, it's something challenging, something more, I keep saying cerebral, but you know what I mean? So instead of it's just like first note thrash and it ends in thrash. So, it, I mean, Townsend was really good at that. And I, and then you kind of, but then again, you start wandering into the, the you know dodgy area of rock operas, which you don't want to do. Hmm. But I think it's, I think nowadays, people don't just listen to music. You, don't, you rarely see people just listening to music. They've got to be on the phone or they've got to be doing... It's, it's become like a... You know, people do two or three things at once. I'm even guilty of it, you know. So I think when you've got a gig, something's got to be visual as well. Uh, and it's got to be... And I think that's what's great about The Who because they were so visual and Townsend was was an art. And it's and it's an art. And if a lot of Manchester bands used to... That's all about Tony Wilson and even the Smiths. They weren't afraid to be Mancunian and arty. He's like, no, oh, you can't do that, you're pretentious. Not, you know, they didn't care. And Tony Wilson slapped me in the face of it and said, I don't care for being pretentious. And I think it should be, I think, you know, punk rock was art as well, you know, even though it was, and it was really, I think it was a most pure form of art. It was from the from the heart and not the mind, you know. And I, But I just think a gig should be something, an experience rather than just a concert. And I don't mean, you know, Backing dancers are, you know, but I mean, it should be just sort of where, where you walk away going, you know, what happened there? What was that? You know, where it's not like I've just been to see 10 songs. Yeah. It should be like, well, there's a performance or something. I, you know, I, I'm probably not articulating this way, but you know, it's just something. I know, I, I, I know what you mean. There's the, the technology is a lot different these days. It's not that, well, I say it, it's not that I know everybody's skint at the minute, but. It's not that expensive to maybe try something different, a projector or something. I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head what what could make hmm. something different than just five boys and leather jackets yeah. to play a few songs. Well, I'm trying to like, projectors and all that start getting complicated. It's hard. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> you know, we, we run backing tracks. It's only me and Mike, two of us at the moment. It might be three yeah. of us. But then you, the syncing it all up, it gets all, and then it start, and you know, especially playing little venues. You've not got time and sound checks, but yeah. But I think what we're gonna, what we're going to do when I'm, when I'm doing my solo gigs, we're going to do a thirty minute slot electric. Me, 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 my partner Mike, who's a great electric guitarist, I'll play acoustic electric. We do. Probably it do Pardon? It might be. Might be, yeah. So yeah, we, no, we, I've, I've seen it when he, when he did a few gigs. We were at you. Um, yeah, I know. Lovely, yeah, lovely lad, now. A great because I'm just a rim guitarist. He's a great lead guitarist, and he's really good. So we'll have that in the backing track, and we've got the back. So we'll probably do. Eight half an hour, probably mostly 
Love and the Family Tree, my songs, and maybe a couple of Mondays ones in there. And then we'll sit down and do acoustic and Q&A, pure Monday songs. But in that electric set, we'll probably have links in between each songs so that there's not a gap. Ching, song finishes. Wait, you call it. There'll be some sort of background, something going on. Something to keep it, so not just to keep attention, just just so that it, it's, it's, it, it, it's 30 minutes of entertainment rather than 30 minutes of eight songs or whatever it is. I bet I'm probably not explaining it probably, but I just think it should be. People should come away going, you know, what was that? Or you know, it's an experience. It's like going to the cinema, going to the picture cinema, pictures. You know, going. To, you know, it should be. It should be like that. Coming, I go, wow, that was a great experience. Or, or even just have more conversations as a band on what more can they do to be different. I think. Mm. Everybody, yeah. it feels like these young bands just settle into a role. Oh, I'm the bassist, so I'm just going to be all chilled in the corner. I'm a, I'm the drummer. I'm going to be a bit weird. Um, <laughs> you know. we were never like that. We were we were all yeah. very, we were like a group of people in yeah. some kind of irrelevant almost. Mm. You no, know, it's like we were just a group. I, and I agree. And I, yeah, I agree. And I think now they've gone into this thing of audience oh, participation. Right? You know, Jim Morrison had been turning in his grave. Yeah. You know, and it's and I get that as well. You know, this kind of it's just very different. But I think they should be entertaining, but. Everything's about selling point now, you know, and, and yeah. you know, I never get on stage and say, go and buy my merch. And I don't know. That's not the, you know, oh, it grind. It, it gets on my nerves when bands list fucking social media pages. Oh, uh, you know, I, I don't know anybody that's ever thought, Oh, I'll go on Twitter now when they've, when they said, this is my Twitter band. You can get me on Instagram. You can get me on Facebook. You can get me on. Everybody switches off to that. Cause it's fucking. That's how I feel that I've, I've never reacted to it and when I, when I'm putting gigs on and band, I've seen many bands do it I just think there's no point doing that just give them give them a flyer or something to scan something later on in their own yeah, time yeah. they're not going to do it there and then at the gig and if, if they do what's what what they're going to do really yeah name of the bands enough you know if they like it they'll go and find it if they don't yeah. you know, and I, I you know I don't get a button it's a we used to get that when we were signed to Let's Records America American bands are would go, you know, they go stand outside and sell the merch afterwards and, you know, do yeah. all that. And we, we, we never turn up for to anything like that. And it was interesting because I had a conversation, I think it was Tony once about it, and he was reading something. And they were saying that, and it was interesting that in, in what the difference between, there was this, there was this what was the difference between American bands and British bands? And the indifferent thing was, American bands learn their instruments and form a band. British bands form a band and learn their instruments. That um. was difference number one. <laughs> number two is when rock and roll in, in, in America, rock and roll, because of the way America is, it's, it's, a, it's a business. And it is a business. We're not kidding ourselves. It's a business. It's a music business, show business, whatever you call it. But in the UK, it's still seen as an art form. To the detriment of English bands when they go to America, whether it's the Kings, whether it's us, whether it's Oasis, whether it's, you know, because you don't want to play the game because it's art, you know, we, you know. And young bands don't do it anymore. They play the game. I, you've got, there's, 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 there's somewhere in the middle of compromise that can be found, I think, where yeah. you can play the game without being, without selling your soul. And it started because in this 50s, late 50s, when American bands came touring Britain, the only place with rock and roll, the only place that they could play was at art colleges, hence Lennon saw them, hence Townsend saw them, hence uh, Ray, Ray and Dave Davies saw them. So there's that kind of claps and all them, you know, all that. They all saw them at art colleges. So there's always an art, Form to it, and I think that that still should should be the way, and that and that's the difference. But it doesn't help you sell your products, and I, you know I won't. I'm very cautious on Twitter. I'm cautious. I can't sell myself or even someone says something real nice, and you've got to retweet. And I'm like I'm not comfortable doing that. And I've kind of got better at it. <laughs> even doing, talking to the to the camera, I've got better because you've got to do it, and that's fine. But I won't oversell myself. The, the, you hear like I, I have young bands. I say, listen to this. What it sound like? We're the greatest band in the world. We're going to be bigger than. <laughs> the like. It's been done, mate. I've heard that a million times, you know. Yeah. And this conference with the greatest band in the world, you know, are you? You know, I don't, they'll, they'll prove to me. And then, but you don't have to be the greatest band in the world. It's not a competition. Yeah. And this thing, like, it's a competition. It's not, you know. Oasis lost, lost a competition to Blur. Did it do them any harm? The Stones lost it to the Beatles. Did it do them any harm? It's not a competition. Forget that. Just do your own journey. Yeah, yeah I'm a little wrong, I'm a little wrong there, haven't I? Yeah, I like that. I like that, mate. Everything goes for a lie down. Let's have a beer. <laughs> Let's have a drink and uh, relax oh. a little bit now. Eh? Then we'll, we'll get onto your stuff now. Eh? Oh, oh, old man, old man screams at the clouds. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so obviously you've got your new single out yourself. Um, uh, so, how how do you describe your new single, Black Symphony? Symphony. I can't speak today. Symphony. How would you describe it? You know what? It, it, <laughs> it's kind of a, again, 
I had I got a couple of people got in touch and say you've got to do this, do that if you want to get in the charts. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Uh, and I've not promoted it. I, in the new year, I'm going to bring a single out in February and I, I might start doing vinyl and take it more. I've only just started taking it serious. Yeah. And I just put them out there for people. There's, I do no, I do very little bits of promo like this. I've got no team behind me. I don't do a big sale. I just put it on Disto Kid, on Bandcamp. Don't do anything like that. And people say, well, what do you expect then? And and they're right. You know, I won't. But I'll just, I'll just, just see, you know, what happens. I'm not. And and they, you can't just see, put something out and see what happens because... It won't happen. But I'm I'm luckily to be in a position where I can do a bit of that. I'm just doing it for the music at the moment. It will change. And it will start selling me soul a little bit more. But there's I, I know how to do it without it's it's a song of uh you know people say, Well, I've got no, you know, did a thousand things wrong, so I've got no regrets. It brought I've got thousands of regrets. <laughs> thousands. Everybody but, yeah, all shit it, like it when they say that. Yeah, yeah, of course you have. And it's a song <laughs> about regret. There's a song about and it's about uh and being a a miserable, uh, <laughs> spoiled musician, you know, mm-hmm. about I, I kind of like, I, you know, you focus on stupid things when I was like 18, all my friends were going off holiday to Spain and Greece and I couldn't because I was in the band and we do, you know, the band's been one big fucking holiday, you know what I mean? So I can't complain. But you, I kind of miss, I can't, you kind of think you missed out on things. I haven't, but I've had a lucky life, you know, I'm not at all. And just kind of bits of regret and how I think I would have done things differently, you know, uh, I've done all right, so it's fine. But I think I could have done for a lot less. So it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit of, a bit of regret. And you would dare say it's a little bit arty just going on the video. Is it? I like a bit of art. Or like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't think you know. <laughs> I, I, I don't fall into that. You know, someone said to me the other day. I said like, oh, I'm just sat here having a having a read and drinking a cup of Earl Grey. Like Earl Grey, you changed. I went, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I drink Earl Grey. It doesn't cost any more. You know, it's like. Yeah. I'm not allowed to drink Earl Grey because I, I just happen to like the tea. I didn't <laughs> hate to hate it, but the wife got me into it. And it's like, and I'm like, I think I'm not changed. I'm still the person I have. But I'm like that with olives. Oh, I love olives. Got right into olives. Uh, I used to be like, oh, they're posh, aren't they? Oh, they're rank. And then I've just, I've got right into them. Oh, I love them. I ain't all the time. <laughs> yeah. So it's just ridiculous. It's like these things. That, it's like that. Uh, oh, I'm not going to get into politics, but that is it. Is it she, uh, from Stockport? Is it Angela? Is she Angela Rayner or something? Yeah, from uh, she Ashton from Ashtonworth. Ashton, and uh, I'm just I'm, I'm not going to get into it, but she said something when she was in Parliament. Some Tory MP said, "Oh, you call yourself a, uh, an MP for the people." You went to the opera, and she went, "What? Because I'm working class, I'm not allowed to go to the opera." And that's it in a nutshell. You know, yeah. you, you, you can. And maybe it's a bit. I like a bit of art. You know, the Velvet Underground were a massive influence. They were arty. You know, you can still be. John Lennon was arty. You know, mm. you can't. You can be arty and working class. You don't have to be scared of that. I just, I just, I just enjoyed it. The it like, the, were they like, are they like ancient monuments and mixed in with the video and that kind of stuff? Is that? Oh, I just, it's, it's, it's a guy called Adam White. He's a guy from, he's German, German Mancunian from Charlton. Okay. Uh, and he's kind of, it, 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 he, he does photography, uh, Rourke Weiss photography. Or is it Weiss Rourke? I don't know, because his wife, uh, Martine's with yes. And I just, he just, I just said I wanted this old kind of footage, that kind of seventies cine eight kind of film that people have, you know, of parties, you know, in the seventies. And and then he sent it. And I said, "Can you put more gravestones in it?" When I first put the song, I did some footage walking around, like you know, a gravestone in in Toronto, just in just being a bit miserable. And, and I, but I like, I like that kind of stuff, you know, I like that yeah. that film noir kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I remember uh, one of my favorite videos is. Uh, the Smiths, I was soon he's known the Queen is dead. You know, I, my brother was a Smiths fan. I was a Bunnyman fan. It was a lot of years later when I got into the Smiths through Andy Rourke, who became my brother-in-law. I was into the Smiths, but I loved the videos. They were very bright, you know, and I loved all that kind of imagery and that kind of... Sex Pistols were art. Christ, come on, you know. People get mixed up with things, you know. So I like a bit of that. And I think... I think music should have a little bit of art brought back into it. Yeah. Not too much. You don't have to be pompous and, you know. But... You know, yeah, I don't know. I like a bit of that. I like something a little bit more. There's a, there's a nice big riff in it. It ticks a lot of boxes. It's it, it, there's an excellent rhythm guitar. I, I in my when I were in a band years ago, I was a rhythm guitarist, so I, I appreciate little different parts and that kind of makeup of a song. Um, so you tick all the boxes. Nice, lovely rhythm bit and a nice big riff at the end, mate. Yeah, that I don't play that. Mike B plays that thing. I had the oh, I, I, I originally played it on the demo, <laughs> and very badly, and I put it, and he was on. And the first, I've recorded the first part, I've recorded in, in Toronto with a guy who was Bernie Spears' guitarist, this Jamaican guy, Gilly Genesis, who's great. And then I finished it off in, in Warrington at Tough Gong Studios, Latch. Yeah. 
And I said, I've not really done it very well, Mike. Can you? And Mike just did it, perfect, you know. Right? Yeah. And he put wire on it. He just did it so. Well. And the intro picking he did as well, which is great. I know. But it's kind of the, it was. I wrote it last year. It's kind of one of the first songs I just wrote on my own, you know. So uh, yeah, so that guitar link was. I, I did it, but Mike Mike played it a lot better. Well, we'll put a, we'll put a link to the YouTube channel uh, within the description of this podcast and everything as well. We'll put obviously put a link to your tour that's coming up. But just before we move on to the tour, just to finish today, uh, when I were watching your interview with Nigel Carr from Louder Than War, he said you were you'd started a book and you, you you're probably going to be finished your book by October November. It's October November, mate. How's it coming on? It's not finished. I've been doing. I've got on this. It'll be. Yeah. You know what, Keith, I've not picked it up. I'm not, I, I did it. I did it. I've not touched it for a couple of months. I get kind of sidetracked with this. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And, and then I, I, my last computer died and all the files were on a hard drive. And oh. All that kind of some rubbish at that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll be done this year. I'm about three quarters away through it. And it's kind I... of a, it's just my perception. It's a couple of age story because I was 15 when I joined the band. It's just how I saw, you know, sitting at the back as a drummer as a 15 year old watching everything just yeah. open, open up. And I read it back, and, it, and a few people have read bits of it. It's, it's quite funny. It's my my point of view of it, and, and seeing, you know, it was, it, as you can imagine, it was it was the thing about the band was it was hilarious. Paul Ryder and Paul Davis people play the two funniest people I've ever met. Just hilarious. The pair of them, just hilarious. the three of us are really close and just so funny. I mean, really, really funny. I mean, you think really looking funny. in from you know how, how much like the media people concentrate on what Sean and Bez do, yeah. uh, I, 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 I you naturally think that. You know, it might be them two that are the funny ones, but it's really interesting telling us who the real funny ones are, you know, behind the scenes of it all. Very different, yeah. Well, it's just that, you know, you get, I see a lot of stories, yeah, but the Mondays, someone this morning actually was quite funny. And it was, uh, it was me and Paul Ryder. I won't go into what it was, I got up to it and it was in, it was in some article and they put it as, it was, on and Bez, but it was actually me and Paul. Oh. That's just what the media do because they're, they're the, the, the famous ones are the front of it. So I understand that, you know, but and I don't, you know, that's the way it is. But that's what that's what happens, you know. People, you, you find it with lots of bands where, oh, it was Morrissey or John Well, actually, it was Mike Joyce and who did that. But that's that's just the nature of of, of the business of the show yeah. business, you know. It's just but yeah, no, Paul Davidson, Paul Ryder. I mean, funniest people I've ever met in their life, and I've met some funny people, but them two. On a different level. So the tour's coming then, so I'll just reel some dates off. Starts mm. on Saturday the 26th of November in Berry, Wax and Beans, then on to Basque in Stockport, Ben, T- ben Taylor's new bar. Excellent bar. I've uh, been a few times. Yeah, everyone keeps saying that. Yeah, yeah. Class. Uh, Thursday, 1st of December, T- uh, Tildesley, Hop and Nasalwood. Uh, 2nd of December, Manchester at Lions Den. Sunday, 11th of December in Liverpool, Phase 1. Friday, 16th of December, Northwich, Salty Dog. So, what? So you know, a lot of, you know, a nice little chunk of gigs there, mate. You're looking forward to it? Yeah, Salty Dog in Northwich, not me now, because I couldn't, uh, oh. because of, oh, it was, a, it, was, it, was, it was a problem with the times. Anyway, that, so that was cancelled early on. Very, very right. sold out. I think Liverpool's sorry, really well. Liverpool's a Sunday, and I think Stockport's a Sunday, so they'll probably be earlier. Earlier shows around the World Cup games as well. So, oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah, it's, it's eight quid, and you get like you know, it'll, it'll be funny if anything just come down and laugh at me and take the piss yeah. if anything if you don't like the music. But you know what? I like it, and, and I said this on, on, on Twitter, and I'm really, really serious. If you really want to come down on your skin, just get in touch and I'll get you in. Yeah. You know, I just, or you've, if it's a couple of views and you want someone, you know, like because if, if it's like say two of you and you want to bring your kids or something, you go, well, for four of us, that takes it up to. 36 quid, you know what I mean? It, just just two of you now put the kids on for free. So, you know, come down because I'd rather people come. I'm not going to make any money out of this tour. It's going to cost me, but I don't want the promoters to lose. And I want it to be a good night and, you know, and just get started. And I'm, and, and, and I'm being honest about that. I'm not trying to be pseudo humble. Like, that's a new thing as well now, isn't it? But <laughs> I'm, being, I'm, being, I'm, trying to, I'm being genuine, you know. And I just because it'll be it'll be a laugh. Enough. And usually the Q&A, sadly, the last one I did, the Q&A, I ended up, oh, yeah, ended up doing about three or four Monday songs because the questions had just go on and people imagine what. Oh, right. Okay. Lots, sure. of myths, lots of myths of the band, you know. But I'll, I'll make sure they get the songs in this time. But yeah, it usually ends up just a real laugh, you know, especially the Q&A just goes on and, and the stories and, you know, it just goes off on a tangent, which is always quite funny. And you get well, any questions? Well, yeah, because I, I, I went to see Alan McGee's last Q&A one and it's just, you know, some of the questions that come up <laughs> must be a bit random for you. I know, I know oh, yeah. how these things can go. They must be quite entertaining. 
it's funny sometimes some myths all this about one I go, yeah, there's kind of some truth in that, but that's not really true, or this <laughs> and usually and actually funny enough, the good thing is I would say that I expected most of the questions will be would be about drugs and what you obviously and actually most of them about the songs asking about where they come from and uh-huh. most of them. But either I am happy to talk about either, but you know. I would like to know where songs come from. There's a thing recently that fascinates me. Maybe that's because of a songwriter, but I remember uh, I was talking about this again the other day. I was talking to Manny about it, funny enough. And I was saying uh, there should be more people in bands talk about where the songs come from. Not, I don't like it when 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 people. This is another personal miserable moan. Commudgeon is my middle name. You know, saying something like, uh, "Well, this song's about my, the emotions I felt during my you know my youth at time at university." You know, I don't like people to tell me what the songs are about because. Songs mean different to everybody else, you yeah. know what I mean? And I like that. But what's good years later when you were where the idea came from? And there was one where, and he was, of all people, Sting, who everyone seemed to hate. I actually met him once. He was actually lovely. And he was a, and yeah, anyway, and it was, and he was Sting and he was talking about every breath you'd take and all that song. And he said it was about a stalker. <laughs> and I was like, brilliant. It just turns that song completely on yeah. its head. You know what I mean? And you, and you can, you know, and, and so I don't mind that. I just don't like people go, uh, I wrote, you know, you see singing songwriters. This yeah. next one I wrote, I wrote when I was going through a, a, a tough time during my, you know, this is this is a song I wrote when I was influenced by the uh, indigenous peoples <laughs> of the, you know, thinking while I was travelling, you know, but you know, I can't really do with all that pompous nonsense. Yeah. But you know, when you, so you, people, you mean different things to different people, you know what I mean? And but to where where the idea comes from mm. or the influence, I find fascinating, and I don't think there's enough of that. So you're playing some, uh, so you're playing a mixture of Happy Monday songs and your songs. Then is that is that is that like? Yeah, a- what, yeah, yeah. That, the electric set will probably be mostly. It's only going to be 25 minutes. Uh, my songs, a couple of Monday's electronics in there. I think we might do a Hallelujah. Yeah. It'd be like the dance versions, you know, the remix. Yeah, version. Okay. And then when I sit down the Q and A with me and Mike, just acoustics, it would just be pure Monday songs then. Nice, nice. Well, um, I'm going to put a link to the shows, um, an updated list if there's a couple of them that have changed. Um, you know, grab yourself, click on the link, invest, come and see Gaz, and just have a great good night. I'm going to try and get to that Basque one myself, Gaz. I'm thinking. Well, you know what? It'll be it'll be good that just for uh, like I say, just had a bit of fun. The but I've got I've got, I've got uh, Chris Payne, a photographer who plays a little bit of saxophone, going to come to the gig and stop. I said, "I'll just get up and play sax." He went, "Well, on what? On what?" I went, "Just go up and jam." Don't yeah. just take it too serious. If it comes up and it's a mess, it's a mess. It's a laugh, laugh, laugh in the crowd. We'll finish the song and go, well, that was shit, weren't it? You know what I mean? Should we do it again? And, you know, let's not be too pompous about it. You know, have a bit of fun. You know what I mean? And it is, it's going to be a bit of a laugh. And if you want, just come down and take the piss out of me, do that. Fair dues, fair dues. And I don't, really, I don't really mean that. I'm too sensitive. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I'm a musician. Come on, don't you? Know, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Well, Gaz, mate, really appreciate your time this evening. Get yourself back into that weather and go and have a drink with Manny tonight down in Barbados somewhere. He's, 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 yeah, he's, I got a mess of him before saying, you know, because I said, oh, I feel a bit rough. He went, well, you know, uh, the Manny cure, get back on it, you know. So, <laughs> never ends. Never ends. It, so he'll, he'll, yeah, yeah. Mate, really appreciate your time, Gaz. Uh, have a lovely time. Have a great tour. All the links in the description of this podcast. Thanks again for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Take care, mate. Thanks, Gaz. Bit enjoyed that, you know. It's got you know, join him on the tour and within the link of the description of this podcast, as mentioned on there. Uh, you can find uh, tickets for his tour and solo stuff. Really interesting guy. Um, you know, how, how much stories do you are you going to have being in the fucking Happy Mondays and uh, being all the way through the years of just being in that band and massive part of Manchester history must be so nice being there yeah ladies and so thanks again for joining us on this podcast do delve into the archives there's plenty of chats in there for you to enjoy and share on your socials and tell the world about we really appreciate anybody that listens to this podcast if you're listening now thanks mate um, yeah we're just trying to build this thing you know you know how things are it's difficult trying to re- just re- relying on people to stay with you and stay loyal and to you know, carry on the party we're trying his best we're here for the long run I enjoyed this is the favourite for me doing this podcast is it's the favourite part of RGM for me I think 
yeah. it helps me internalize conversations and stuff so i've never been that great with conversations uh just talking in general really and just opening up about stuff but i feel like i can on this place it's, and, and i enjoy doing it it's my favorite thing in the world spending my time with you guys each week so ladies and gentlemen thanks again for joining us on another podcast we'll see you next week for loads of fun we'll see you a bit earlier if you join the patreon three days earlier comes out on friday not monday uh, you'll get all the latest news on there on twitter i'll stop listing stuff now you don't care fair enough i wouldn't either so ladies and gentlemen i've been carl maloney welcome thanks for joining us on the podcast for another week of music and entertainment here at the rgm experience podcast have a cracking week enjoy yourselves earn a few quid and we'll see you later welcome to rgm are you in a band come and join us simply click on the rgm submission page submit your music and we'll sort the rest be a part of it with scott's menswear the go-to destination for sports fashion with a reputation spanning over 30 years scott's has a mega brand catalog featuring adidas originals nike fred perry pretty green and many more here at rgm we love the support that they offer us and the music loving community around us check them out at scotsmenswear.com hello did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe and tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support and we'll see you next week.